You are listening to Electric Bike Radio. Welcome to episode 19 of Electric Bike Radio, a bike for all sizes. I'm Jared, and this is my co-host, Dwayne. Hey, Jared. So hey. this week we have a topic that's maybe not for everybody, but I feel like it's something that's kind of under-discussed. We want to talk about how do larger riders fit into the e-bike lifestyle. And if you and everybody you care about that rides an e-bike is less than maybe six feet tall and under mm-hmm. 200 pounds, then you might want to skip this episode, but tune in again next week. Or you could stick around for our usual tasteful jokes and witty banter. Yeah, yeah, like always. But right, you know, if you are a heavier person or a taller person, you know, finding an e-bike, even a traditional bike for that matter, but it can be a lot harder. And we're going to talk a little bit about how you select a bike, some of the concerns that larger riders might have, and maybe even some techniques for bigger riders to uh, to use to get the most out of their bikes. And look, we, we, we understand this is a sensitive topic. We are definitely not judging anyone. I've gained a few pounds over the years and have placed myself out of a few bikes myself. Yeah, and I put myself definitely in this category. I mean, I'm six foot two, and I exceed the weight limit for the average e-bike. So this is always something that I have to think about when I'm, I'm looking at bikes. And, you know, so I, I speak with a voice of experience, Jared. Right. And and I've placed myself out of an old folding bike that I have and still love and still ride, even though I probably shouldn't. But all bikes have weight limits, including my little folding bike. So this isn't specific to e-bikes. But since e-bikes are already heavy with a motor and a battery, it can be even more of an issue to make sure that you're in the right weight class. A lot of e-bikes have a general limit around 250 pounds, um, some around 200. Uh, a couple examples, the Rad City, 275 pounds. Most standard Pedego bikes that we know of are 250 pounds. The Aventon Pace, which I think is one of the most popular bikes at the moment, that's around 250 pounds. Yeah, I think that's pretty typical. And and remember, when you're talking about weight, this is the total payload weight of the bike. So this isn't just your early morning standing on the scale bathroom <laughs> weight, right? This is your clothes, your shoes, your helmet. Not to mention any accessories you might have installed on your bike and anything that you're carrying in a bag or in a basket or, you know, it's it's everything. Heck, if you add one of those locking chains we talked about back in the uh, the locks episode, that's another five to seven pounds right there, right? <laughs> For sure. So. You know, and the truth is there there is some leeway in these numbers. I mean, the bike isn't going to fall apart if you exceed the weight limit by a couple pounds, but it is something that you have to be careful about it. I mean, certainly there's some safety margin built in, but it's at least something that, you know, if, if you are exceeding the weight limit on a bike, you have to be aware of that and, and take some precautions. And in paying attention to weight limits, that's one thing that can be a little bit difficult sometimes because if you're talking to a bike salespeople, they may downplay the weight limit. Um, they need to make a sale. Similarly, a lot of websites, if uh, if a site doesn't have, if a particular bike doesn't have a high weight limit, a lot of sites will make it very hard to find that weight limit. It's only the bikes that are really advertising themselves for a massive weight limit that will give you that number, at least in my experience. So make sure you're looking for it. It may not be published right in front of your face. 
Yeah, I've certainly noticed this in the years, you know, going into bike shops and, and mentioning, hey, you know, what is the weight capacity of this bike? Sometimes you don't get a straight answer from a bike salesperson. They'll be like, oh, well, you know, maybe they'll tell you, but they'll say, well, the factory says this, but we have heavy people ride these bikes all the time. And, you know, just do, do right. your own research. Obviously, um, you know, people who are selling bikes are, are selling bikes. So, <laughs> you know, right. just, you know and and there's some truth to the whole you know and obviously manufacturers build in a lot of leeway into their into their um the capacity of their bikes because they have to look at a working load versus a regular load and how how you know the, somebody might hit a lot of bumps they're not thinking about somebody jumping a bike off a cliff or something like that so um so it, it's not as if I can't say nobody's lying to you, but it's not as if people are are being completely misleading. But if you want to stay on the safest side of the the margin, just look at the numbers. Yeah, and there's no doubt. I I know not on an e-bike, but on a traditional uh, Trek bike, I have a bike that I've exceeded the weight limit on that I've ridden for a long time and hasn't been an issue. But I'll tell you, it seems like the weakest point in the bike uh, and the one place where I have had issues with bikes is with the wheels and specifically with the spokes on the wheels, you know, getting a, a broken spoke or a loose spoke and then a wheel that gets out of true. It seems like the the wheels are really one of the weakest points. The wheel is probably more likely to fail than, than the frame to snap in half or something like that. Right. And, and so that's one thing to look at. You can look for name brand rims. Um, Alex is kind of a... A standard name brand rim back all the way from the time, my time in the eighties on mountain bikes. Uh, Alex was the rim to have, um, the spokes, the number of spokes and the gauge of the spokes are different on bikes. 14 gauge spokes, kind of the standard for a lot of wheels, but kind of on the light side for an e-bike. Uh, some bikes will have 13 gauge or even 12 gauge. And in this case, the number as it goes down means a bigger spoke. So if you're buying a cargo bike, um, like my, Red wagon, and admittedly, I don't remember exactly which gauge it is, but I remember. I think it's either a twelve or a thirteen. It's a heavier than standard spoke. But Dwayne, you you have a different way that you've um, avoided the wheel problem with your bike. Yeah, so I have a Pedego Boomerang, and one of the options on some of the Pedego bikes is a a mag wheel. So rather than have spokes, my my uh, wheels like a you know like the the mag wheels that you used to see on when we were kids on uh, on mm-hmm. dirt bikes it's got five uh aluminum um geez i don't know what they're they're not spokes they're five aluminum what, what would we call that i don't know how to describe the designer that. i don't know but <laughs> go look at a picture of a, of a pedago boomerang and you will find the uh these mag wheels kind of three designer spokes looks almost more like a car wheel i suppose than a than a bike wheel yeah much more much more hefty looking and, and kind of cool looking which is one of the reasons that that people buy them too <laughs> So another thing about wheels, um, typically, but not always, typically the smaller the wheel, the stronger it's going to be. So 20-inch wheels generally are going to be bigger than 26-inch wheels or, or, I'm sorry, going to be stronger than 26-inch wheels or 27s or 700C wheels. So that's one thing to look at. And and you can actually see that when you're looking at at weight limits of a lot of the popular bikes out there. So it's the smaller bikes generally that have the higher weight limit, unless the bike is specifically built for, for weight. So like the Rad Runner, it's a small utility bike. It's a 20-inch wheel, but it holds 300 pounds. The Electric XP is a little folding 20-inch wheel bike, and it can hold 330 pounds. Um, 
the Hemiway. You know, that's a bigger bike, but an all-terrain fat tire. It's meant to handle a lot of abuse, or at least that's how they advertise it. Admittedly, I haven't ridden one, but they advertise that weight as 350 pounds. So there's options out there um, in all sizes. Yeah, and with the Pedego bikes, uh, the standard capacity increases from 250 pounds to 350 pounds just because of the mag wheels. So, you know, it's it's not... That says a lot. Yeah, it's not a cheap option, but that's a big increase in capacity. And I've noticed that um, electric bike company, their Model C, they advertise a 380-pound capacity. So that that's a that's a big bike. Right, right, and I think a lot of electric bike companies' bikes are are, are built with a higher weight capacity. Although I don't have them all written down right now. Um, another option is resorting to a cargo bike, and I I say resort. I don't know if I should say the word resort. <laughs> you love I love my bikes. cargo bike. <laughs> I love my cargo bike. So my rad wagon, three hundred fifty pounds capacity. It's meant to hold whatever I load on it, and but also that could be a great option for somebody who's just heavier. Um, the Pedego Stretch, 400 pounds. Uh, I believe the the Blix uh, Paca is up around 350 or 400 pounds is another option for a cargo bike. And they have a lot of utility too. So you get a little bit of both. You get the higher weight capacity and some extra space to carry some extra stuff. So I guess the point being, if you if you shop carefully and you pay attention to these things, there are plenty of bike options out there that can take you to you know 350 pounds, uh, even up to 400 pounds and still stay within the factory rating. So there are plenty of bikes mm-hmm. that are available for heavier riders. You just have to you have to look for them. So what are some other things you should look at if you're a heavier rider or a bigger rider looking at an e-bike? Well, you know, obviously there's more weight to carry around, so a larger motor uh, is going to be helpful and a larger battery for all the reasons we've talked about in previous episodes, you know, uh Larger motors help propel, uh, you know, the, the, the bike and the rider uh, faster, easier, especially when you're starting to deal with hills and that sort of thing, but also is more drain on the battery. So pairing a larger battery with a large motor is nice. Right. Um, another thing, uh, gears, actually, because if you're going up a lot of hills, you want to be able to help that motor as much as you can. And um, you can compensate a lot for a motor that maybe isn't quite enough to haul you and your, like for me, you and your daughter on your, your rad wagon. Um, it's nice to be able to shift down and, you know, use the motor, but also pedal along and maybe not use all the battery power on just getting up a hill. So, so gears are more helpful, uh, if you're a heavier rider. The same thing goes with brakes. Um, having more mass and more weight of the of a heavier bike and a heavier you know bike and rider combination means more work for the brakes so having brakes that are disc brakes maybe hydraulic brakes brakes that are up to the task is pretty important right and brakes is a really big category but just a real quick rundown is disc brakes are good um, cable actuated that, that's good and you'll find those on most rad bikes um, Hydraulic, hydraulically activated discs are better. Maybe not won't include that much more stopping power, but will help you actuate them a little bit faster and might dissipate heat a little faster. Um, the rotor size is something to consider. A lot of bikes come with 160 millimeter rotors, but there are 180 millimeters, 203 millimeters. The bigger you go in rotor size, the more stopping power your discs will have. Um, again, it's a huge category, but with brakes, really, it's usually bigger is better and will last longer. 
Another thing to think about is to the extent you're upgrading, you know, any parts on your bike, you still have to pay attention to uh, the weight limits, you know, for those parts if that's applicable. I mean, A, you have to look at how much weight it's adding to your bike, right, to your payload capacity. Mm -hmm. But also if they're weight-bearing parts, you have to pay some attention to that. And this is really important for seat posts. Um, Seat posts are a real potential point of failure yeah. When you told me that, Dwayne, I had never thought of a seat post that you told me you were looking into them. Yeah. Had never thought of that. You know, a lot of people replace seat posts because they want, maybe they want a suspension seat post or right. uh, maybe they're a taller rider, which we'll talk about in a minute, that needs more uh, extension on the seat post. Most seat posts that I looked at were rated around 220 pounds or so. And so uh, you have to be careful with that. And suspension seat posts... You really have to be careful. Very few of them are rated anywhere near 300 pounds. And and if you were loading them that high, they probably wouldn't work, you know, the way they're intended (laughs) to work anyway. So uh, in doing my research, I found, Jared, I think the ultimate seat post. (laughs) (laughs) I I recommend the the Thompson Elite. Uh, Thompson is a company that has been making bike seat posts for a long time. And uh, the one I bought, the uh, Thompson Elite, it's not cheap. It was over a hundred bucks uh, for just for the seat post, but it has virtually no weight limit. Uh, they say, you know, <laughs> they they don't list a weight limit. They say it's you know uh, unlimited. So wow, I, I mean, obviously that's within reason. You couldn't put an elephant on it, right? I suppose. But, uh, and they come in an extended length, so if you're tall. Uh, it's great for that, and I think it's the last seat post I'll ever need. So this will probably be going with me from bike to bike, uh, you know, as I change bikes over the years. And I frequently tease Dwayne about his jewel-encrusted Thompson Elite seat post. So <laughs> so there you go. It does come packaged very nice for a $100 seat post, you know, <laughs> in a cloth drawstring bag and all that. <laughs> uh, for a seat post, jeez. Well, you, you mentioned the extension on a seat post. So that brings up a different category of large, which we've touched on. What if you're really tall? Um, something I don't have to worry about. So if, if you're six foot two or more, what else do you have to think about, Dwayne? Well, yeah. You know, in order to get the proper comfort and leg extension on a bike, your seat post has to be, you know, tall enough for you. And I have found, you know, being I'm, I'm right at six two. I find that a lot of factory seat posts are about one inch too short for me. And you have to pay attention to all seat posts will have this minimum insertion point marked on the post where you can't, you know, you can't have the seat post any higher than that point. That's the amount mm-hmm. that has to be inside the, you know, the, the, the bike tube frame for the bike seat to be, you know, safe. Um, so if you need more height than that, uh, then you need an extended seat post. And and again, you know, the Thompson would be a great choice, but there are a lot of them out there. If if height is your issue and not weight, um, there are all kinds mm-hmm. of options out there for extended seat posts. And I can definitely attest to Dwayne always going to the minimum assertion point. When we're testing bikes, first thing he does is look for that mark and slide the seat right up to it. And then the first thing I do when I get on one of the bikes he's ridden is completely forget about it and almost fall off trying to sit down on a seat that's too tall. So. Yeah, it's frustrating to be you know to, to be <laughs> at my height because it's just it's so close. It's so close. And you're like, 
why do I have to spend a hundred dollars on a seat post? <laughs> but but sometimes sometimes you do. But you know the, the bike also there can be geometry issues with the handlebars. You know you might mm-hmm. if you're real tall you might need an extender or a riser to raise up the handlebars for some some inches so that you aren't in a too bent over position. I mean your position depends a lot on what type of bike you're riding. But it's just something, if you're tall, you have to pay attention to that. And a good bike store will help you with bike fit and that sort of thing. But there may be other adjustments that you need to make in order to just sit comfortably on the bike. But, yeah, it's just another thing to consider. It's one of those things that, you know, people who are uh, large, whether they're tall or heavy, we we already know that it makes buying everything a little bit harder. (laughs) And bikes Mm -hmm. are no exception, I guess. So once you have a bike, or if you already have it, there's a couple other special concerns, almost like with maintenance and just checking over things. Uh, first one is be vigilant with tire pressures. Um, if you're a heavier rider, you, you'll want to ride with a little more pressure in the tires so your tire isn't compressing as much. If your tire compresses too much over bumps and things like that, that's where you can get what's called a pinch flat. Basically, the tube gets pinched between the rim and, and, and you might hear it called a snake bite too. Um it's you get a flat just by virtue of the tire compressing, not that you hit anything. Um, so that's one thing to think of is keep your air pressure a little bit higher. Yeah, and just paying attention to the wheels generally, checking the spokes, you know, every once in a while to make sure that nothing is loose or broken. Because, like I said, that's a that's a pretty common failure point. That's again, this is why mag wheels are awesome. <laughs> I don't worry about that. Right, and with spokes, if you get them tightened or tuned up in between fairly often or or you avoid them getting too loose, I guess is what I'm saying. That's how you can save your wheel is just keeping them true and and proper. Uh, If you let them go too far, that's where you start getting broken spokes more frequently. Uh, Another thing, obviously pay attention to your brakes. If you're a heavier rider, um, your brakes are going to be working harder to stop you and you'll wear down the brakes a little faster. If you have cable actuated discs, you're going to have to adjust the the, uh, cable tension a little bit more and adjust where the pads sit. It's just going to be a little bit more frequent maintenance on those. So pay attention to your brakes. They're the most important part of your bike. Yeah. And one of the most important things I think that you can do as a, as a, as a heavy rider, you know, they say you can ride a bike heavy or you can ride a bike light. And it has nothing to do with what your weight is. It's what your riding style is like. If you ride a bike, I don't want to say gently, but, you know, if you, if you keep your weight uh, distributed well on the bike, if you avoid jumping off curbs, you know, banging over speed bumps, anything that is really stressing and flexing the frame and the wheels, you know, avoiding real hard stops, just not doing the things that stress the parts of the bike, that goes a long way towards not overloading the bike, not putting more dynamic stress on the bike than than it can handle. So, you know, just the way you ride, riding light, as we say, goes a long way. Right. But if you want to ride heavy, I mean, go for it, right? Go have fun. Make sure you buy the bike that will handle that. And just know that if you're riding um, if you're riding aggressively, uh, using the brakes a lot, jumping off things, just know you got to be a little bit more on top of your maintenance and you should be okay. The, the closer you are to the factory prescribed weight capacity of that bike, the, the easier you probably want to ride it, right? <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Well, I think that sort of uh, sums up some of our thoughts on, on 
riding a bike for 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 larger riders. Uh, if you guys have any thoughts that you want to share with us, uh, we are certainly uh, would love to hear from you. Uh, you can reach us on Facebook or Twitter, or you can email us at ebikeradio at gmail.com. Our contact information is always in the show notes and uh, viewable on your podcast player or at our website, uh, ebikeradio.com. And before we go, thank you to all those who sent in suggestions for phone mounts for handlebars. I've got one on my Christmas list and my fingers crossed. And if it shows up, I'll let you know how it is. But in any case, that's it for now. Thanks for listening and stay tuned to Electric Bike Radio.